electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people to make friends, I'm just trying to make you a little money. My job is not just to entertain, but to put incredible days like today into context. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. In a market that has been so horrendous of late, how the heck could we rally like crazy based on nothing? I mean, this was one of the best days of the year. Dow surging 765 points. S&P soaring 2.59%. NASDAQ pulled 2.27%. And after last week's hideous sell-off, very few saw this one coming. Of course, every rally since last November has been a mugs game. So I can't blame anyone for wanting to, to dump, I mean, like, sell, 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 all of their stocks in this colossal advance. No rally ever seems to have follow-through these days, although we have said repeatedly, if we can just get through September, we will live to play again. That's why we need to ask ourselves if this move could be different or will it be another temporary move that goes nowhere. We wrote extensively about this with the club today, and we've said that you've got to do a little selling. But first, let's acknowledge some things. We're incredibly oversold. Meaning traders got way too negative on stocks as an asset class. You know I like to look at the S&P's proprietary oscillator to measure this. Uh, uh, coming into today, it was at minus 10. That historically means that a rebound is inevitable because there's just been too much selling. By the way, we finished the session at minus 9.25%. That's this day's number. That's still very positive because anything greater than minus 5 typically means buying opportunity. Last week, we also had historic levels of bearishness, according to a host of different, uh, different services I get. And when you have this many bears, sentiment was terrible. Second, the most important single indicator we have for the direction of the market, the two-year Treasury, soared today, sending its yield dramatically lower. Now, when the two-year hit 4.35 uh, last week and Florida with 4.4, most of the experts figured the next stop was going to be 5%, at which point Treasury would be a much better bet than most stocks. Today, though, the two-year headed back to 4.11. Really quite a surprise. And the mood brightened considerably. 
given that this piece of paper is generally viewed as a proxy for what the Federal Reserve is going to do, we heard a lot of chatter about how the Fed might be less aggressive with its rate hikes. Maybe some weaker data ahead. Incredibly bullish. That is, if it's true. So that's what's different. On a day like today, though, I think it's more important to consider why these rallies tend to be one-day wonders. Sure, we had a summer rally that gave you a nice return until everything fell apart again in August. Hey, that could happen again. We certainly turned the page from a miserable September, didn't we? Good news, because that is typically the worst month of the year. For the most part, this year's rallies have been short-covering affairs, where the people who've been right, the short sellers, take profits by buying back their stocks at their short. Buy, 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 And they do that to close out the positions, and that does tend to send the market higher. Now, you know short-covering rallies because there are no buyers once the shorts are finished, and the stocks come right back down big after almost every single one-day wonder session. I want you to remember this concept because there are so many big hedge funds that make giant bets against the market. So when the averages fall, they like to take profits. It's just that they, or, that in order to do that, they have to buy to ring the register. Uh, they're negative, but they have to buy because they have to close out the position. More importantly, there are so many negatives in the environment. It's to the point where the most impressive thing about today's rally is that it happened at all. My feeling is that today's bounce is all about sentiment getting too negative because nothing's really changed on a fundamental level. Yes, it is true. We finally got a weak PMI manufacturing reading this morning. That was quite a surprise. But we've had so many strong numbers, meaning numbers that fly in the face of the Fed's attempts to cool down an overheated economy, that this one cold report is not enough to cause the Fed to pivot toward a less hawkish side. So why don't we do this? Let's consider what failed previous rallies and see if anything's changed. So we're ready. Well, the first thing that happened is that we have been having a tough time ever since Russia invaded Ukraine, right? It turned Europe upside down. Western Europe, especially Germany, went all in on Russian natural gas as part of a misguided effort to defend the environment. Although shutting down nuclear plants in favor of fossil fuels sure seems like the last thing an environmentalist would want. They didn't realize or ignored that the Russian government's become increasingly hostile to the West. Now, Europe's economy is totally hostage to Russia, even as their sensitivities lie with the democratically elected government of Ukraine. While Russia's losing the war in the field, it's threatened to unleash nuclear weapons while also conscripting hundreds of thousands of soldiers. The winter beckons, and with it comes the cold weather, cold weather that could do a real number on fuel-starved Western Europe. That's a giant part of the global economy and could be in real trouble. Not a great background for a real turn. China's the second big issue. Today, almost every tech stock rallied enormously, taking their cue from the strength in treasuries. But so much of tech is dependent on China, much more than you realize, meaning their hostage to the Chinese government's endless lockdowns. Lockdowns they've embraced because they refuse to use good COVID vaccines. There's no sign of any change to this policy, even as the convention that will give President Xi another term is just a fortnight away. When I got through quarter after quarter after quarter of all these tech forecasts, I, kept, I keep seeing that China's way on earnings like an anvil. That goes for many of the stocks that rallied today. Hard to see how they can keep running. What happens next? Well, look at what's happened after every other one-day rally. Analysts come in tomorrow morning. And they cut estimates, they slash price targets, and they downgrade stocks galore, especially tech. Can't think of a reason this time would be different, not after we just had that horrible Micron number last week. Then there's the biggest real issue, our economy. We have what I've been calling a WFH problem here, and that's not work from home. We have a problem with wages. 
with food and housing inflation. Not one of them has changed from, say, uh, last week. Perhaps we'll get a weaker employment number on Friday, one that shows no meaningful wage growth. That would certainly justify the rally. Or maybe the unemployment rate went from 3.7 to 4%. That would allow the Fed to back off, too. But I think we'll have hourly wage earnings and no real change in unemployment. But we're going to have wage growth, no change in employment. Well, that's going to make a mockery of today's rally. Food? It's only gotten worse. There's a huge fertilizer shortage developing because so much comes from Russia, Ukraine, and Belarus. Now we have a wave of bird flu that's forcing to kill millions of chickens. Transport costs remain too high. Finally, housing hasn't resolved itself either. As is the case so often with these aggregate numbers, housing has fallen year over year, and it looks very encouraging. But it's still up usually from before the pandemic. We have tons of bidding wars for homes all over the country. And while most of the commodities that go into our houses have indeed come down, the home builders talk endlessly about how difficult it is to find help and how they have to pay up to do so. That's not what the Fed wants to hear. The good news for the stock market? We're getting reports that home builders are trying to offload as many homes as possible at discount prices given the newly high mortgage rates. I think housing inflation will soon be beaten. But the bad news? Real estate's inherently local. And there are many areas where we simply don't have enough homes, even with 7% mortgage rates. Oh, and by the way, let's not forget that the one commodity that had been cooperating, oil, soared today ahead of this week's OPEC Plus meeting. If crude climbs for more than one day, we're going to hear that drumbeat, and it will crush the rally that you saw today. The bottom line? Ukraine, China, WFH, inflation have only gotten worse. Now oil's going the wrong way, too. Doesn't mean there's no hope. Does mean that we're merely experiencing a textbook oversold rally. And as we told club members, members of the CBC Investing Club that I want you to join, as we get less and less oversold, we will delightedly raise cash and get ready for the next downturn. Let's go to Dan in California. Dan. Hello, Jim. Greetings. Hey, very much appreciate your great show and advice. Ah, oh, you're terrific. Thank you, buddy. What's up? Hey there. IBM. Hey, I'm a true blue believer in the company with its great dividend. However, the strength of the dollar and world events makes me wonder about future overseas earnings. At this time, should I buy, hold, or sell? You know what? You're a wise man, Dan, because it's exactly what I'm worried about. And it's why I am not going to stake my reputation right now, right here, uh, on the earnings forecast, given the fact that so much of the business is overseas. Why don't we wait? Why don't we wait? The stock has been hammered. It could go lower. Eduardo in Maryland. Eduardo. Hola, Jim. How you doing, man? I'm doing fine. How about you, Eduardo? Good, man. I've been watching you since 2005, and I'm also a club member. Woo. Hey, I have a performance. Oh, thank you. I want people to join the club. We've got some good stuff coming. What's going on? Hey, man, I have a portfolio position, a fast food company. I purchased it as a recession play, given how well they did during the last recession. So now with the dollar strengthening and potentially impacting overseas earnings, should I hold, sell, or buy more McDonald's? I happen to like McDonald's stock very much. It did trade in the 220s, and if it gets back there, then I would indeed pull the trigger. I think you've nailed it. There is some dollar worries, but otherwise I think it's terrific. Hey, let's go local. Let's go to Greg in New Jersey. Greg. Jim, this is Greg from Lawrenceville, New Jersey. My stock is... Coca-Cola, KO, buy, sell, or hold. Okay. There are people worried about the strong dollar in Coca-Cola. I think that that is misplaced. I think it's totally factored in. Coca-Cola yields three. James Quincy's doing an amazing job. I think the stock is a buy. Bye-bye. 
All right, we're experiencing what I regard as a textbook oversold rally. I'm not sure it will have legs. On Man Money tonight, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, so I'm checking in with one player focused on making women's health a top priority. Do not miss my exclusive with whole logic. Then there's a new oil play on the street, so is Permian Resources, the best way to play the exploration production space. I'll give you my take. And right here, Mad Money, celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month by talking to Agua Media. Learn more about how the company's crafting content for the Latino population. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like I said at the top of the show, you don't want to get too carried away with today's rally. We were due for bounce, but the Fed's still in crusade to drive down stock prices. And as long as we're looking at a Fed-mandated slowdown, which we still are, you want to swap into secular growth stocks when you can. The kind that do just fine in a recession because they're not hostage to the underlying economy. Take all logic. That's the medical technology company we like so much. Focus on diagnostic equipment, imaging systems, surgical products, women's health. This stock has had a huge run during the pandemic because of COVID testing. And like many covid Place well, you know, it took a hit. It's down more than 13 percent, uh, but that's not so bad. You look at this market, so and it's much better than the overall, particularly for tech. 
I think Hologic works as a slowdown stock, especially since they'll be facing much easier comparisons this year. Plus, they've got a real opportunity as a leading player in women's health. We're thinking about on this, the first trading day of Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So let's check in with Steve McMillan, friend of the show, chairman and CEO of Hologic, get a better sense of where his company's headed. Mr. McMillan, welcome back to Bad Money. Thanks, Jim, for having us back. All right, so Steve, I'm looking, of course, because of breast cancer awareness, and I was shocked to find more than 1.5 billion women worldwide lack essential health screenings. Well, that's just, that's just, that's incredibly horrible. Well, it is, and we started this thing called the Global, the Hologic Global Women's Health Index uh, about two years ago. We partnered with Gallup to look in 120 countries around the world what's happening with women's health because we wanted to bring some numbers to it. Right. And so that's exactly the kind of numbers we're bringing. And yeah, literally one and a half billion women did not see a doctor last year. We're not screened for cancer. Less than 12% of women were screened for cancer. Well, that can literally be a death sentence for a lot of people around the globe. Completely. You know, we focus so much on COVID and we needed to do that. Right. But it's distracted. We have to do and. And particularly so many women put off their screenings during COVID time, and we need to get women back for cervical cancer screening, so their pap tests, mammography, everything, because as you know, early detection is the key. It's better for the patient, it's cheaper for the healthcare system, it's better for society. Okay, so Steve, my wife was saying to me that that your 3D mammogram is fantastic, but she also says that some insurance companies don't cover it. I find that hard to believe. We're over 90% covered now in the U.S., so all the major insurers, because what they've come to realize is it's actually, we've proven it to be cost beneficial. Because we're catching early stage cancers sooner, if you catch a a breast cancer, particularly at stage zero or stage one, the cost to treat it is dramatically less, right? When somebody's in stage three or four, you've got to go, you know, radiation, chemo, everything else. So the magic of catching it early is it's actually saving the healthcare system and the payers money. So once most of the insurers realize that, Good. all the big folks, the blues, everybody else now cover it. All right, so that's obviously, it's a work in progress because I know that uh, there's always a sense when you have these breakthroughs that they're slow to come around to it. They are, and particularly, you know, I would tell you, I still think it happens more in women's health areas than it does necessarily in men's health. Right. Now, and at the same time, you, uh, I was listening to your, uh, your CFO, you have a great talk recently, Carlene, yeah. and she was saying that, look, uh, you're not a COVID play by any means. I want to be sure about people understand that because the COVID plays are they've gone down. Yes. But uh, as much as we don't want COVID to uh, flare up, you do have good gross margins on your COVID products. Yes, we do. And, you know, the way we always looked at it is the world needed COVID tests. We were, you know, one of the very first, really the first in the United States, cleared. We served that need and we've served it globally. And it's elevated the profile of Hologic on a dramatic basis around the world. But at the end of the day, we're about our women's health products, mammography, our you know se- sexually transmitted disease right. products, as well as our gyne surgical products. And we want to get the focus back on that. But we've been able to you know strengthen the company, frankly, because we offered the COVID test. Now, I recently went in procedure. Thank you for asking. You know that I had a procedure and yeah. was doing a checkup, and my doctor said to me, "Have you seen our new non-invasive laparoscopic procedure?" And it turned out to be yours. I want you to describe it to people because it is pretty revolutionary. Oh, yeah. So we basically, you know, we've come up with several different things, but so much of what we're trying to do for intrauterine fibroids is be able to remove them 
you know, in simpler fashion. Right. So we've come up with a laparoscopic approach. It was a newer acquisition we made during the or, uh, during COVID time, and it's another breakthrough product. You know, we're relative to some of the super big boys in healthcare. We're a little more targeted, right? So every product we bring to market has to be meaningfully differentiated, and that's exactly what we focus on. All right. Now, at the same time, you had the same issues that a lot of other companies had getting the semiconductors. It sounds like yes. it's because of these legacy semiconductors that people don't want to make because there's not a big much profit, but they have to do it in order for you to be able to come up with the great machines. Exactly. We've been, you know, we were we called it out earlier this year that we're clearly. Uh, subject to the same challenges that many companies are facing. We've been working very closely with all of the semiconductor suppliers to be able to help improve our situation. And we're hoping here in the coming quarters to finally get on the other side of it. But it is, it's very meaningful when you have to cut back on production of something as critical as mammography machines. And even Secretary Raimondo got involved right. talking, you know, so I think we've been applying all of the, the proper pressure points. And really what we've done is we've started to appeal to our uh, our vendors around the purpose of what we're doing, and we're starting to see them trying to give us a few more chips. Okay, one last thing. Uh, your debt pay down is just remarkable. I can't believe how little you have. I can't believe all the opportunities you will have, as many of these companies that were going to IPO can't, and a lot of the companies that did IPO are running out of money. You'll be able to pick what you want. We like our position. You know, for there was a lot that we passed on during COVID time, yes. because frankly, we felt a lot of these were overvalued. And I think that is coming to fruition. We did some acquisitions early in COVID time and we thought they were fair valuations. I think it got overblown. We're now in a great position. We have a strong base business and we have a remarkably strong balance sheet to be able to deploy that going forward. And if someone wants to know more about breast cancer awareness, where, where do we direct them to? Uh, you can always go to uh, Hologic.com or my, I think it's uh, myscreenings.com. Well, look, uh, you're doing great stuff and I'm glad we're staying focused on this. It is incredibly important. It's day one, and I know you and I, uh, we go way back because of the Philadelphia so, Eagles. I was looking for a lot go. of pink shoes. Four Didn't no, see them yet. No. Didn't see the pink shoes yet, uh, but everybody cares tremendously, uh, and it's the right thing to do. That's Steve McMillan. He's Hologic Chairman, President, and CEO, H-O-L-X. It's a terrific stock and a terrific guy. Mad Money's back here for the break. Coming up, nothing's permanent in the energy space, but can the new-look Permian resources give you some peace of mind? Find out next. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. 
That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Is it time to join the mob that's circling back to the oil and gas group? The last few months have been absolutely awful for fossil fuels. Oil peaked at $130 in March. Remember people saying 150, 150? Uh-uh. For plummeting to the high 70s late last month. Even after today's big bounce, it's only back to the low 80s. Natural gas did hold on for longer, briefly hitting 10 bucks in late August, but since then come down hard, sinking to six bucks and change as of today. But remember, it did hang at three and four for a very long time. And of course, the oil and gas stocks have been obliterated. Central banks around the world, led by the Federal Reserve, have raised interest rates aggressively in order to tamp down inflation, causing a global slowdown, which means less energy use. A weaker economy translates directly into lower demand for oil and gas, and of course, therefore, the stocks of the producers that we follow so closely. And that's why this piece is so necessary right now. The demand is not the whole story here, though. There's also the supply side of the equation. And today we got some big news on the supply front. The price of crude jumped nearly $4 off a Reuters report that OPEC Plus will be considering a major production cut. Over a million barrels per day when the cartel meets later this week. That's why I think it's a good time to talk about a new oil and gas producer that I bumped into recently. It's called Permian Resources, and that was created last month from the merger of Centennial Resource Development and the privately held Colgate Energy Partners. Again, I know the energy sector is completely out of style in the Wall Street fashion show, except for today, because the group roared only because of that OPEC production cut. If that cut doesn't happen, by the way, this group is going to go down. These are not the kind of stocks you typically want to own if you are heading to a worldwide recession because they're commodity stocks, and the price always seems to go down when this happens. But we like having options, and I think Permian Resources, the symbol here is PR, is certainly worth considering, if only so you know whether you might want to buy it on the way down. So let's talk about this thing. Back in May, Centennial Resource Development announced a merger of equals with a company called Colgate Energy Partners, promising to create the largest pure play exploration production company in the Delaware Basin, which is a very lucrative part of the Permian Basin down in West Texas and New Mexico. It's full of cheap, plentiful, clean oil, or cleaner, because I don't want people to think it's really kind of a relative thing, right? It is a fossil fuel. Going to the merger, Centennial had around 75,000 acres across the north and south Delaware Basin. As for Colgate, it had 105,000 net leasehold acres and 25,000 net royalty acres in the Delaware Basin. The deal closed a little over a month ago, creating this new Permian Resources that nobody's talking about. That's why I want to do this piece so badly. So what does it mean for Permian Resources to be the number one pure player in the Delaware Basin? Okay, the larger Permian Basin has been the red-hot oil area for years, thanks to the rise of fracking. And within that, the Delaware Basin has some of the best acreage around. Thanks to the newfound scale, Permian Resources plans to become a lot more shareholder-friendly. They're taking the savings from the merger and returning them to shareholders via a big dividend and a big buyback. Management says they should have $65 million in annual cost synergies from the deal. At the same time, the company's drilling pretty steadily. They aren't going crazy. We don't want that anymore. We want measured. With their exploration, well, they've got enough rigs running to aim for 10% oil production growth next year. Remember the days when they're doing 30, 40? We don't want that anymore. Production is pretty well hedged relative to the competition, meaning they don't get hit as hard when the price of oil comes down. We like hedging, too, now. But what matters most in this difficult environment is that Permian Resources has a fairly clean balance sheet with no debts coming due until 2026. Plus, they could easily borrow billions to finance more acquisitions if they see a good opportunity. 
Right now, though, management is focused on generating cash that it can return to you, the shareholder. For me, this is the most exciting part, frankly. Permian Resources wants to buy a five-cent-per-share-based quarterly dividend. That's just the base. Listen to me. Starting this quarter, that's 2.7% yield. Management says they can afford that payout as long as crude stays above $40 per barrel. It's double that now. Not bad. But not anything to write home about when you can get a much better yield from two-year treasuries risk-free. However, on top of the base dividend, Permian is also planning to roll out a variable dividend. The kind we love from Devon Energy. Remember we had Rick Moncrief on for club members, Pioneer Natural Resources. After the base dividend payments, management says they'll distribute at least 50% of the remaining free cash flow to shareholders, either through a variable dividend or through additional buybacks. The mix between the two depends on how the stock's doing. The variable dividend won't be coming until the second quarter of next year, though. And it'll be passed on the first quarter's cash flow results. That's what it's been based on. So there's no hurry to buy Permian Resources here. You got months to build a position if you want a piece of that variable dividend. You know how we like to buy club members know we like to buy slowly on the way down. We don't know exactly when the bottom is, but we'll have a big position when we get there. How about the buyback? The company recently increased its repurchasing authority from $350 million to $500 million. That's earmarked for the period through the end of 2024. I think a half-billion-dollar buyback is pretty impressive when you consider that Permian Resources is only a $4.1 billion company. They're entirely nearing an eighth of the share count at these prices. And that's just the base buyback. They could easily repurchase. Uh, raise, they could raise their authority anytime they want if they see a good opportunity. Regular viewers know I'm a big fan of the oil industry's new, more shareholder-friendly attitude. For example... Club holding Pioneer Natural Resources now is the highest dividend yield in the S&P 500 at just under 15%. They've got an incredibly generous variable dividend, although when the yield gets that high, it means Wall Street doesn't believe they'll be able to maintain a high payout. But if oil stays around these levels, I think Pioneer's dividend will be very rewarding. Compared to Pioneer, Permian Resources is less generous. They're only planning to return over 50% of their free cash flow to shareholders while Pioneer's going for 75 Still, I think it's pretty compelling. A few weeks ago, I got a chance to speak with Permian's co-CEO, James Walter, on Squawk on the Street. He was ringing the bell. I asked him what kind of dividend yield we'd be looking at with oil at 85 bucks, which is where it was at the time, and pretty much where it is now. Walter said he'd be looking for about 14 to 15% all-in return to capital yield, meaning the dividend plus the buyback. I, I That's pretty great to me. At the same time, I like that Permian's the largest player in the underappreciated Delaware Basin. I like the cost synergies from the merger. I like clean balance sheet. Perhaps more important, I like that the executives own a huge stake in the company. The management team owns 12% of the shares outstanding, meaning they have the same incentives as you. Of course, anything connected to the oil oil group has been a hideous performer of late. Permian Resources has pulled back particularly hard on an enterprise multiple basis. It's the cheapest of the enhanced capital return oil plays. I like that. Of course, you've got plenty of other good options if you want to mess around with a generous oil company. Pioneer, Devon, Diamondback, and Kotara are all high-quality companies. But I think Permian Resources could be a contender. It's kind of a little bit speculative, but very interesting. Bottom line. As much as I like the story, this market hates all things oil. And I don't see that changing anytime soon unless we get an even bigger OPEC production cut. And I don't expect that. However, permanent resources will get a lot more attractive when they start paying their variable dividend next year. So maybe put this one on your shopping list and wait for the Fed mandated sell off to give you some buying opportunities on the way down. Let's go to John in Texas. John. Hi, my name is John. I'm from Texas. Booyah, Jimmy. How you doing? Booyah, John. I'm doing great. How about you? What's up? Well, um, I was fortunate enough to inherit my dad's portfolio back in 2019, and I am super overloaded on Exxon with a little over 50,000 shares. We got it at 45, 
and I've at this point we've I've already doubled my money. Um, but if it gets over a hundred, say like it did one hundred and four, not too long ago. What would you do if you're in my shoes? Would you sell it? Uh, you sell well, half of you know, it's funny you mentioned. It? I, was, uh, I would actually own. I'll tell you why. It is well behind the market. Uh, I know David Faber just did a terrific piece for us on it. Uh, a really great documentary, and I feel it's an inexpensive oil. So let's leave it at that. And thank you for calling in, John in Florida. John. Hey, Jim. John, what's up? Uh, just want to let you know I'm a first-time caller. And okay. I've watched your show for years, so uh, I just want to give you my first initial booyah. Oh, booyah right back at you. Thank you so much. Great to have you on the show. Let's go to work. All right. Um, my, uh, my question is uh, your take on the near and midterm uh, outlook for energy transfer. I, I own it for the dividend okay. and the possible appreciation because of the global energy issues. But um, uh, what, I, what has happened is analysts like the company, but they say that its stock is undervalued because it's being punished by the market for cutting its dividend in 2020. So I well, was just I do curious think that that's as true. to your take. Some, sure, that's true to some degree, absolutely. But uh, Lee Cooperman recently came on, my old boss at Goldman Sachs, uh, who's now, of course, independently runs his family money. And he said the, the world, he really, really praised Kelsey Warren. It made me take a fresh look at the company. It's an inexpensive company versus his cohort because of the issues that you raised. And I think you're fine in it. All right, look, this market hates all things oil and gas. I don't see that changing anytime soon. But I put Permian Resources, simple PR, on your shopping list as a buying opportunity on the way down. Now there's much more mad money ahead. Agua Media has coined the term the new mainstream economy. And I'm hearing what's behind this important cohort with the company's CEO. It's a private company. Then the negative Apple headlines keep on coming. But what should you make of them? I'm going to give you my take. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. This is exciting. Two weeks ago, when I was out in California, I swung down to San Diego for the annual Latitude Conference, which is part of a broader business-based initiative to highlight the growing financial influence of the U.S. Latino community. I left this conference with my jaw on the floor, frankly. Did you know that the total U.S. Latino economic output would rank number five worldwide if it counted as an independent country? Since then, I've been trying, scrambling, to do more work on this subject, because we all need to, especially now that we're in the midst of Hispanic Heritage Month. And look, this is a business story because the U.S. Latino community is a powerful economic block overlooked that public companies should start knowing better about. And that's why tonight we're checking in with old friend Rick Sanchez, co-founder, president, and CEO of Agua Media. This is a new media company, and it's targeting this growing U.S. Latino community that was launched earlier this year. Mr. Sanchez, welcome to Man Money. It's always good to see you. Well, I got to tell you, this was an eye-opening conference, and I think a lot of people, your private company, but a lot of people at at that conference were thinking, how do I invest in this community? Now, one day that may be your company, but in the meantime, let's learn about the size and the wealth of this community and how big it is versus what people think. $2.8 trillion. I mean, these are people who consume, and we're 20% of the population, practically, of the United States. Don't have the, the, perhaps the representation that we need to do. But what you just said bears repeating. The Latinos in America, if they were a standalone country, would now be the fifth largest GDP economy in the world. 
used to be seven, just past Great Britain, just past India, just past France. Think about that. People were doing funds when people realized that there was a big economy in places like Japan and China. We have one here in the United States of America. It's an opportunity. And yet when I think about your new company, yeah. which was with Social Hero, who is the, the great man who ran this conference, uh, I searched for others that actually were a place, so to speak. There aren't any. No. You're it. No, no. This is this is a hole in the marketplace. This so is, tell us about what you guys are doing in your in your new media company. Well, it's all about really my mentor, Saul Trujillo, right. who's the one who realized, as you said, that this was going on in the United States. And if there are Latinos out there, and, and again, we, we just got to look at the numbers. 80% of Latinos in the United States are U.S. citizens, right? 95% of Latinos under the age of 41 in the United States speak English as their primary language. I mean, this is important, and how young they are. Right. Latinos, the common age of a Latino, Jim, get this, the common age, the node of a Latino in the United States is 11. The common age of a non-Latino white uh, European is 58. Oh. So what this says is there's an opportunity of people out there. Now, there's a lot of advertisers who will say, well, yeah, but I don't think if we were to address them or market to them or brand to them that they're going to be there for us because in the end, we really don't know what they're, you know, for example, how much money do they make or economically or education. We're finding with Agua Media affluency through the roof. Right. Same as consumption levels, same as demographics. Our medium age demographic for people who listen to our product is, oh, around 28 to 44. So these are numbers that tell you they're there, they want to be talked to. Now, I want to go back to the numbers that you talked about in terms of the size of the community. I mentioned to someone, and someone immediately said, Jim, you're just drinking the Kool-Aid. I then pull out the study. <laughs> the study is not done by Saul or you. No. No. These are big-time yeah. people who are looking into this market. Stanford University, Wells Fargo, studies that they've been doing and, you know, concluding that there's a huge market there that isn't getting the attention it deserves. And I'll give you an example yeah. of that. And just in general media, I don't know why this has happened in our country, but for some reason, Latinos get to get generally between 2 and 3% of the representation in media, in Hollywood, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know why that is, but it is. But we need to fix it because essentially, not only are we 20% of the population, but we're also so economically viable. Well, how about board of directors? Where are you? Well, that's, that's the tough part. How about part. CEOs? That's the tough part. Yeah. No, no. Well, how is this possible? It, Honestly. It, well, I mean, I think it begins to a certain extent with our creation in our mind about who we are because Hollywood puts these. I mean, I'll give you some ugly figures now, okay? Sure. In Hollywood, of all the movies that are made, Latinos, again, 20% of the population, less than 5% of the roles cast are Latino. And when they are cast, Jimmy, when they are cast, 37% of the time they're criminals. And another 35% of the time they're like housekeepers, et cetera. Not that there's anything wrong with right. that. No, no, wrong. but I totally get what but, you're saying. But, but they're, they're creating this image and then the media feeds off of it and then business feeds off of it and advertisers pick up on it. And it's just not the reality. That's all, it's just but not the reality. I'll tell you, because I saw you at the conference. I pledged to Saul that I was going to do my part because I didn't know the numbers. And I like to think of myself as an educated person who does a lot of homework. And I know when I have Rick Sanchez in front of me with a company that I think will be viewed as the company to so-called play this community. Right. I am looking at a very lucky man who gave me, by the way, just, you know, one of my first breaks in media. I got exp I got to tell that to, to people, Rick, because it's full disclosure here. But you've been a friend. You've been very helpful to Mad Money, very helpful in my career. And now I think you're doing really the great calling that yeah. needs to be done. Yeah, this is doing something that's bigger than ourselves. This right. is good for America. Yes. And I think whatever we do that's good for our country makes us all better. And let's leave it at that. Rick Sanchez, CEO of Agua Media, that's A-G-U-A. This is a new media company, not public yet. 
But you know what? He's not saying it. I'm saying it. Look out for it. Bad Money's back after the break. <laughs> Coming up, Kramer takes your calls, and the sky is the limit. It's a fast fire lightning round. Next. It is time. It is time for the lightning round. Here's everybody. That's right. Take your calls. Rapid fire. You say the name of the stock. I tell you whether to buy, 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 or sell, sell, sell. Just to be clear, I do not know the calls or the stocks like ahead of time. My staff pairs the graphics of the fire. We plan and sell. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? Time for the lightning round. Here's everybody. Let's start with Zach in Washington. Zach. Hey, Jim. I've been holding Disney for a while now. It seems like they've slowed down at their part, but they've increased the number of countries for Disney Plus and jumped into the metaverse. What do you think, Jim? Are you bullish? We bought on some Disney stock last week. Play? I'm very, very bullish. Bought some stock last week for the uh, investing club. We put out a very long memo. Thank you, Jeff Marks, about how this stock has never been this cheap as far as we've seen it versus its future prospects when Shanghai opens back up and when uh, Florida is, I think, ready to really take off. One thing I want to make sure that people understand is this is not just a Disney Plus story. It is an improved balance sheet story. That's what we're looking at. Let's go to Tim in Florida. Tim. Mr. Jim Kramer, coined the phrase booyah. How are you, booyah, sir? Booyah, Tim. I am good today. How about you? I'm doing excellent, man. Hey, I wanted to call in here and see what your opinion on Total Energies was. You know what? I think Total's a good company. I do prefer some of the American independents. Uh, I would say Cotera, because here we got a combination of oil and natural gas that is like Total, but I think is uh, certainly in uh, a, a better place to give a good yield. Let's go to Dan in Texas, please. Dan. Yes. Jim, Dan, thank you're you up. It's Jim. Of course. What's I up? Have, I wanted to tell you how much we appreciate your guidance and knowledge with the market at a, at a perilous time oh, as we you, have man. today. Thank you. I saw some people this weekend when I was doing some uh, doing some signing of some bottles. I got to tell you, we, we all got to stick together. We can get through this, and I'm glad we're not bolting in the middle like we, a lot of people did on Friday. How can I help? My question deals with American Airlines that I have helped for a number of years. At the low price that it is today, should I add to my position or just hold tight? I have not been recommending stocks of companies that are losing money. Now, in that group, Delta is probably the best shape, but I cannot recommend any group of stocks where there's a lot of money lost, and certainly uh, that includes a lot of different areas like tech. I have to be very careful and selective here. Let's go to Steve in Rhode Island, please. Steve. Oh, yeah, Jimmy Chill. How you doing on this fine <laughs> uh, Jimmy, Jimmy's chilling. What's going on? Uh, I'm just calling you about FLNG today. I'm curious, if the U.S. starts exporting natural gas to Europe, is the stock going to pop? That's actually a good company, and I like that, Steve. Uh, I will tell you uh, that I also like uh, Chenier Energy Partners, which is the CQP kind, which I think is a very, very good situation. Let's go to Ben in New Jersey. Ben. Hey, Jim. How are you, sir? I am good, Ben. How about you? I'm doing very well. Thank you. And I appreciate uh, speaking with you. I'd like to get your opinion on Jerdo, if I'm saying that correctly. Ticker is GGD. Yes, yes. I actually, we've got a better one here, and that is Nucor. The things I think are 
Stock has come down way too much. I'm not worried about any sort of government interference, which is what you have to fear about in Brazil, which is why that stock looks cheap but may not be cheap. Gene in Arizona. Gene. Hello, Jim. Thanks for picking yes. up. Ah, thank you, Gene. Real, What's going on? Real Tinto. Can they continue to pay the dividend they're paying? Um, that's a very, very tough call. Uh, I do think that the minerals may have bottomed here. I, I do think it's also, by the way, a great company. I, I don't like the fact that I have to worry about the dividend, but it is a great company. Let's go to Charlie in New York. Charlie. Hey, Jim. How are you? Been a I long am good. Time. How are you, Charlie? Good, good. Love the show. Um, Thank you. Been um, wondering what to do with uh, the Macy's I bought back in March. Down about 45 well, you- uh, well, it's down 16. I don't want to. I, I, I prefer you buy it, not sell it. How about that? I think it is a very inexpensive stock. And uh, and Jeff Gannett's doing a good job. I mean, he's fighting against a lot of trends as a department store. But I like what he's doing. And I'd say stick with it. How about Jim in Arizona? Jim. Hey, big booyah to you, Jim from Mesa, right Arizona. How are you Fantastic. doing? Fantastic. What's happening? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing fine, thank you. Uh, for a long time, you've been extolling the virtues of Mark Benioff and uh, Salesforce. And a year ago, I bought some of that. I'm wondering if now would be a good time to add to that. I would. I have. The Chapel Trust likes it here. The stock's been cut in half. Like many tech companies, it's been a terrible performer, just terrible. Uh, people all of a sudden, they turn on technology big, but I am a guy who sticks with Benioff since $8. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, when you cut to the core of this market, you won't find seeds, just apple. Kramer explains why the market will follow the winds of Cupertino. Next. Apple's at the root of everything. As the largest company in the world, it's always front and center. The stock's decline until today has become synonymous with the decline of the entire market. That's why it was so depressing to read this morning's note from Morgan Stanley of all places, long one of the biggest bulls on Apple, about how the App Store seems to be performing poorly, with a 5% revenue decline in September, worst in the history of the company. The culprit? The collapse of the Chinese economy, and yes, indeed, the slowdown in gaming. I say not so fast. Last week, we were told that the problem with Apple was a lack of orders to its suppliers. Seems like the new phone, the 14, is too much inventory. Yep, we heard that Apple's backing down from more aggressive ordering because the demand just isn't there. But then this morning, Evercore says that lead times have just expanded, adding the parenthetic, not a typo. In fact, demand for the 14 Pro and the Pro Max is so strong that you're currently looking at delivery times around the end of October or early November. And that includes China. Plus, there's a good buzz about the new watch, especially the health and safety alerts. I can't believe this morning I tripped. It was really dark out. I didn't see it. It was raining. And uh, my watch asked me if I was okay or did it need to call health authorities. Remember those life alert commercials? I've fallen. I can't get up. Apple's now built that into this thing. So let me just step back for a moment. All these negative stories about Apple are what my ancestors would call Michigas. That's a fabulous Yiddish word, all-encompassing. It means something like total craziness has nothing to do with anything important. It's the perfect word that captures 100% of what's going on with the reading of the bogus Apple tea leaves. The truth is, there are some short-term concerns involving a beautiful new phone and a generally fantastic service uh, revenue stream, but those concerns will throw you off the scent. 
In the end, Apple's been a tremendous stock to own and a terrible, terrible stock to trade. It's terrible because you can never time when the mission gas passes, at which point everybody desperately wants to get right back in, usually at higher levels. So let me make the bull case for Apple. It's pretty simple. Stock down 40 points from its high of $182. First, this company's all about innovation. That only seems incremental to the analysts until they realize that the intended audience for the iPhone 14 is not solely those who own the 13. If you own an Apple phone or say, let's say even 2019 vintage, you will be blown away by everything from the camera to the new features, especially health and fitness. Second, Apple's expansion to the incredible App Store and all its backup services has created a tremendous razor, razor blade business model. Anyone who's lost their phone, as I did recently, knows how valuable that backup storage is. You can't live without it. That's why traders who sweat these details about supplier data or lead times are missing the bigger picture. Apple's created the most valuable series of products in the history of the world, an amazing ecosystem. Their customer satisfaction is the highest of any company. The phone companies themselves know that unless they offer the iPhone as part of a subsidized package, their customers are going to go elsewhere. All the trading around each iPhone launch only obscures the greatness of the underlying company. So the next time you hear this Apple Michigas, you need to recognize that you're getting still one more buying opportunity in what I consider to be the greatest stock of all time. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve with the help of T-Mobile for Business. Our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.